Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. You know what comes with Tuesdays on this show? Our Tuesday turnaround. No, there's nothing to look over your shoulder with. Arnold Martinez is not walking through that door. Who do I sound like anytime I'm trying to make a point? Player X is not walking through that door. You know exactly who I sound like. You do, you do right? You're not saying you do. Okay, I'm just making sure. You were you were giving me no uh, no responses as I was doing that. Uh, Arnold Martinez is not walking through that door, but he will be with us in our Tuesday turnaround uh, coming up a little bit later on when uh, uh, we talk University of Hawaii football for about uh, uh, 30 minutes, look back at Colorado State, and look ahead to the Paniolo Trophy with Hawaii and Wyoming. That will be contested coming up on Saturday. Um, coming up in, uh, in in a little while, by the way, they were talking about the stadium earlier. Uh, Kanoa and, and Rich Miano were on uh, on the Newman Hour, the show called Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy. They were talking about um, the, the, the Canvas Stadium in Fort Collins. And it reminded me a little bit of a conversation about San Diego State Stadium that uh, Ryan Andrews had from the stadium authority uh, when he went there and, and um, you know, kind of took some things away. And I actually wanted to share some of that with you in a little while, some of the stuff that I did like, some of the stuff that I didn't. Um, because at some point, I feel like we need to do a little crowdsourcing for whenever this new stadium is going to happen. Uh, I think some crowdsourcing can be a little bit fun. I don't think we need to talk about how many seats. I think we we bludgeoned that to death a couple of years ago. Uh, but things that can make a new stadium feel like a stadium that uh, that is uniquely Aloha Stadium. Um, and it is also, I don't know, somewhere in the 2020s. Not like Aloha Stadium, which, quite frankly, um, going to parking, where it was cash only, um, going inside the stadium, which was uniquely antique, felt like you were going to an Aloha Stadium event in 2019 that uh, uh, that felt like it uh, was more like going to an event in 2005. But um, we'll we'll get to that coming up. Uh, Gino Toretta uh, just uh, just got a text message from Gino Toretta. Um, <laughs> I, I'm giving you the inside stuff, aren't we? Um, we're gonna. We should have him uh, coming up here this hour. We uh, we usually have him uh, right around this time to talk about college football. Uh, obviously, the Heisman race is starting to get a little interesting. So uh, we'll we'll talk with Gino coming up in just a little while. You can text us our Zephyr Insurance text lines at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. You can call us at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty, and we can uh, send us your tweets at Sports Animals. You can get to me at Josh on the radio. And by the way, uh, note back to the control room, uh, Gino Toretta, bottom of the hour, is uh, when we will have him, courtesy, as all of our guests are, uh, courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Uh, I'm still thinking back to the uh, the last week of the National Football League and looking ahead to what we have coming up this weekend. And no, I'm not looking ahead to Broncos and Jaguars, part of the uh, international series in London and a great opportunity to plug the fact that 
ESPN Honolulu is your home for the International Series. Broncos and Jaguars. Sunday coverage begins at 3 a.m. here on ESPN Honolulu. Not really why I'm doing it. Um, but this has been such kind of a, a, a topsy-turvy weekend that uh, with some of the results, I, I don't think we necessarily expected. I think we have to start looking into the storylines that are necessary uh, to get into week eight. We talked a little bit about quarterbacks yesterday, so I'll get right into quarterbacks. I don't expect Tom Brady to win at home on Thursday on Amazon Prime Video when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Baltimore Ravens. Then again, Thursdays are when the impossible happens. Uh, the Bucks, if they lose to the Baltimore Ravens, and I expect that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will lose at home to the Baltimore Ravens, the Bucks would fall to three and five. Tom Brady is not used to this sub five hundredness that he's in right now. Three and five, if that were to be the case, then I'd say probably losing to the Rams at home. Then probably losing in that what international game against the Seattle Seahawks. I think that's in Germany. That's three and seven, I believe it is. I don't believe the Bucks have a truly winnable game until they play the Cleveland Browns on November 27th. And uh, that is still without Deshaun Watson, who'd still be in his suspension at that point. You are looking at, again, three and seven. And uh, I, I think one real clear storyline right out of the gate when I see that is it time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to really start thinking about post-Tom Brady life in Tampa? And if they aren't thinking about it, or if they have been thinking about it, um, when do you start accelerating that conversation? I know we played the bite yesterday of uh, of Tom Brady basically saying, hey, you know, it's 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 growing. It's, uh, you know, it's it's getting everybody to play better. You know, the, the, the boilerplate quarterback coach speak that you find yourself hearing all the time. But um, I don't know that Tom Brady really also understood how much of that is is really on him. Not necessarily fault, but he's 45, you know. Um, Tom Brady is not going to play like a 35-year-old 10 years later. And this is one of those perfect examples that we're, we're watching right in front of us in which we're watching a quarterback um, when we thought he'd declined several years ago and then not decline, we're watching that decline. It may not be comfortable to watch, but we are, you know, indeed watching it. And if you're the Buccaneers, any any team that is on a, I think, a year-to-year basis with uh, with a key player and you start to struggle with that key player, Every team like that um, has to have the kind of conversations about, uh, you know, what to do if it goes south, what to do if it doesn't work. True, Tom Brady uh, is under a guaranteed contract, and and uh, and technically there are some years that would allow him to continue on uh, 2023 through 2026. There's some some void years in there. It's it's a little confusing. There is a, he, he will be an unrestricted free agent at 50 years old. Well, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not going to be getting to 50. He's defied a lot of odds. There are some odds this year that I don't believe he will defy. But when do you hit 
the let's push a little bit for retirement button if they lose on Thursday. And uh, given how he has played, and, and again, let me make sure I phrase this correctly. Tom Brady hasn't been awful. Tom Brady hasn't been, you know, the the bar that has been set in his entire career, which is great. He's just been okay. Unfortunately, for a team that is not 100%, as we talked about yesterday, needing a franchise quarterback that's going to kind of lift you up, uh, for a team that's not 100%, just being okay is not okay. There's a commercial that has a line right like that, right? Okay, just okay is not okay. Do you remember what commercial has that line? Tanner, do you remember? You don't? I know there is. Just okay is not okay. We'll have to research that during the break. Uh, or being okay is, is not okay. There, there's something to it. Uh, but I, I feel that in this instance with Tampa Bay. That's not going to be okay. But that's uh, that's our first storyline, I think, going into week eight. Second storyline going into week eight. Green Bay, mark my words, will lose on Sunday. Green Bay will not be close on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. It's a Sunday night football game that really is going to feel like, uh, quoting Al Michaels, the fifth regional game on CBS, thanks to what Al said a couple of Thursdays ago. The Bills are 11.5-point favorites. Aaron Rodgers was on the uh, Pat McAfee show uh, earlier today, and, uh, you know, Aaron has had that show as a really good platform to a kind of spew out some of uh, some of his own you know nonsense, but b um, because that show is kind of you know sympathetic to him. I mean, he is after all kind of like a friend. Um, he used that show today to basically throw his team under the bus. You know, he didn't name names, but he basically said, "Look." Um, we are making mental mistakes on about 20% of our, 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 uh, our plays. He tried to give the example, if you have 50% of, or if you have 50 plays, they're making mental mistakes on, um, on 10 out of those 50 plays. And he said, that's about 20%, um, you know, can't have that. And then he went on to basically say, got to start cutting reps. If there are guys who aren't getting the job done, then you got to start cutting reps. You know what's not great for the locker room? And this is why I've been an Aaron Rodgers critic now for a while. You know what's not great in the locker room? Is when your quarterback is going on a national, I don't even know if I want to call it a radio show anymore, a, uh, a national platform, which is what the Pat McAfee show is, and is basically saying on that national platform, um, you guys need to shape up or, uh, you know, we're going to start kind of taking some plays away. we got to start, start looking to get other guys who aren't playing as much, and we've got to start getting them in games. Now, I don't know if he's also echoing some of that stuff in the locker room, and if he is, okay, cool. Uh, but that's not the kind of stuff that I want to hear from my franchise quarterback when he's going on a national platform and, you know, saying, hey, some guys shouldn't be playing. 
Again, franchise quarterback. Franchise quarterback should be lifting his team up, not tearing them down, as Aaron Rodgers is clearly done. But let's remember, of course, Aaron Rodgers has done a really fine job of making Aaron Rodgers be all about A-Rod and not necessarily about, um, you know, not necessarily about Green Bay. That's uh, that's the second storyline. And storyline number three coming out of uh, this coming weekend in the National Football League, because I think we can, we can write all these storylines ourselves. There are plenty of storylines. I'm just giving you three because, you know, in radio, we do things in threes. And if we don't do things in threes, then we're pretty darn lazy. San Francisco 49ers. You made a trade for Christian McCaffrey. You lost. Not Christian McCaffrey's fault. Not your offense's fault necessarily. Um, But you now have seen the exploitation of your next greatest need. Your defense. The Niners are three and four in what is a, well, um, competitive yet kind of lackluster NFC West. But I have been uh, I, I've been a champion for that Niners defense. That 49ers defense had been pretty good. And then Marcus Mariota was near perfect for a long period of time against the San Francisco 49ers in Atlanta a couple of weekends ago. And then I don't need to remind some of you what the Kansas City Chiefs did. Patrick Mahomes put up 423 yards through the air against the Niners defense. He was very, very good. They had over 500 yards of total offense against the San Francisco 49ers. A Niners defense that has you know, been, in, been important. Not the same, you know, went to Forrest Buckner left, but still a very good defense. I understood and I appreciated the Christian McCaffrey trade. Um, and McCaffrey did what he could. In the limited time, he uh, he kind of had a snap count because of the the transition in the short period of time. I appreciate the fact that he played. I appreciate that he gave the effort to uh, to to get out there and uh, and be on the field. But now the night don't the Niners now have a choice as we get toward the trade deadline? Now you have a choice. You just decided that you went you were kind of going all in on getting Christian McCaffrey. Um. But if it's not a difference maker, because now this is Super Bowl or bust. If that's not making the difference, then I think you've got one more move to make. At least one more move to make. And you've got to shore up a defense. And I don't think you can sit idly by now as you, you beef up your offense and uh, you know kind of sit there and, and watch your defense suffer because I don't think coaching is going to do the job. By the way, speaking of your defense, Eric Armstead listed as questionable for the San Francisco 49ers today um, based on the depth chart, and this team's getting hurt. Um, Debo Samuel, questionable hamstring injury. Kyle Juszczyk had surgery, will not play against the Rams, and they put him at doubtful. That, uh, that is actually called out, not doubtful. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they had Jason Verrett out one of their corners. Um, you know, they, they put Emmanuel Mosley on, on injured reserve about a week ago that, that defense is a little battered. I I think there's no doubt about that. And, uh, you've got to make at least a move 
at least one. If you're going to go all in on Christian McCaffrey, and yes, you gave up a lot of picks to do so, then I think you've got to decide to make one more move if you have the capital remaining to do so to make that move to trade for somebody on defense that is going to help you get to that Super Bowl. Because in the NFC, it is wide, wide open. And I don't say that as a disrespect to the Philadelphia Eagles who are undefeated. Um, I, I as, as real as they are, I want to see where this storyline takes the Philadelphia Eagles in week 12. Until I get to that point, it is still wide open in the NFC. And, uh, and, and the Niners need a strong defense. If not, the San Francisco 49ers, in all intents and purposes, make the trade for Christian McCaffrey and uh, really did nothing with it. That's the kind of pressure that's on them now. Uh, you can text us. Our Zephyr Insurance text lines at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. We'll get to your tweets. In fact, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you one at Koa underscore Nui Nui, who... Uh, we were talking about Tom Brady earlier. It said, uh, art imitates life. Brady's fine life, now mirroring Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Dubious relationship of wife. 180, uh, 180 degrees in his wheelhouse. Someone might be orchestrating his seeming current bad luck. No, 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 no. You know what we're not going to play? We're not going to play the blame game. Tom Brady is a grown bleep man. We're not playing the blame game. Nobody is orchestrating his, quote-unquote, seeming current bad luck. Uh, Tom Brady can take responsibility for his own troubles. He can. And um, I know, I and, and Tanner reminds me, I know he's, his team is not 100%. I get it. Um, but he's a franchise quarterback that has to elevate. He has not been great at elevating. Uh, and, and and again, realism, he's 45. How much elevation can you put on your shoulders at the age of 45? There's not a lot. But you are in that position, and you are one of the most important players in that division as long as you are on the field. That is still kind of your expectation of doing so. But no, you're not blaming anybody else. I will not blame anybody else. We will not put this on anybody else. If he is struggling, it's on Tom. If Tom's having trouble in his personal life, you know, it's not for us to start blaming anybody else. First and foremost, I think we all can uh, we all can kind of step up and take our own responsibility for our own things, right? Uh, this show will not be about making excuses for somebody else. This show is going to be about owning up to self-responsibility. I think I, I, I think we can. If you could see in this studio the things that Tanner Hayworth types on the screen, that makes me stop and randomly laugh. Um, you would have a – I don't even know that I can say what you just said. Um, and, and you know what? That's what's going to make me turn to commercial break, to make people ponder life and want to know what it was that Tanner just said. Think about it during this commercial break and uh, during this look at surf. This is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Hey, I've seen Sean Payton smile. 
He just missed it. He's he's courtside at the uh, New Orleans Pelicans game, and he caught a ball that got deflected right into his lap in the front row, and he smiled. He's got the worst posture ever, but he smiled. He's done something Bill Belichick rarely ever does. Uh, it is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. By the way, uh, thank you to everybody who uh, caught, yes, the AT&T slogan, uh, oh, just okay is not okay. Thank you guys for catching that, being AT&T. Uh, Sports Center coming up, Gino Toretta on the other side. Great to have you in. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco waiting for the guys. They'll see you tomorrow morning. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Our Tuesday turnaround with the coach, Arnold Martinez, looking back at the uh, Hawaii football weekend is coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. He, like all of our guests, appears on the Aloha Kia hotline. And speaking of that Aloha Kia hotline, that's where you welcome in the Heisman Trophy winner, Gino Toretta, uh, who joins us now. Here on the program, had a couple of weeks off because of uh, Major League Baseball, and, uh, and 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 yes, Gino, we are off next week too because of the uh, the World Series. So you get another <laughs> reprieve from me. Uh, lucky for you, but um, you were in uh, you were in Columbus last weekend for Ohio State and Iowa, fifty to four to ten win for the Buckeyes over Iowa. And I know we're getting to the point where we start talking about. Heisman Trophy candidates, and uh, I know the betting favorite, I think, uh, at least at BetMGM, I think is C.J. Stroud. He threw four touchdowns last week. So if we got your Heisman vote today, based on what you saw against Iowa, is your Heisman vote going to C.J. Stroud? Well, I would say of the C.J. Stroud performances I've seen firsthand, one was Michigan State and the other was Iowa. I would say based on Michigan State's performance, for sure. I, I thought uh, Iowa was a little shaky. I, you know, I felt bad for for Iowa's defense as they played their tails off, and uh, God, their their offense was just so bad. Um, Iowa State just just Ohio State just warmed down and and you know couldn't hang it at the end. I think you know the only thing I did not like is I don't think C.J. Stroud should have been in there at the end of the game. I mean, he had three touchdowns and probably like 250 yards passing. They were up by. 30-plus points, and they left him in there to throw for a fourth touchdown pass. So I, I didn't really care for that. So uh, I, I would say his performance against Michigan State was better than, than his performance against Iowa. Um, the other guy that, that we saw a great performance of was Hendon Hooker against uh, against Florida. Um, and now he's done. He's beaten Alabama. Um, he's got a chance this weekend with Kentucky, and he's got you know Georgia down the line. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a guy probably giving CJ the the biggest run for his money right now. How ironic uh, that you're going to see Mr. Hooker on Saturday uh, when when Kentucky takes on Tennessee in the uh, the touchdown radio game of the week. Uh, I think you've you've put that schedule together pretty nicely, my friend. Um, to you, the difference between those two uh, would be what? I would probably say the difference is Stroud has has more talent around him uh, than Hooker, and I think that if both of them continue the success that they're having, you know, I think the nod would probably go to Hooker just because you'd you'd say the schedule strength of schedule is tougher for Tennessee than it than it will be and has been for Ohio State. 
Um, you know, like last week, Ohio State or Iowa had fifth-ranked defense in their conference and seventh best in the country. Now, is that a function of really good defensive play in the Big Ten or partly a function of really poor offensive play in the Big Ten? I would probably say the latter because outside of, you know, consistently Ohio State, Michigan being very good offensively, Purdue will throw some games in there uh, every so often. But I think it's more of the the offenses for for the uh, the Big Ten struggle. That's why a lot of the defensive teams are, are strong in that conference. But I would probably say if it, you know if we continue on and, and Tennessee continues their winning ways, you know that schedule, strength of schedule and conference may give the nod to uh, to Hooker if he continues to put up numbers like he does. By the way, remind me not to ask you this question in in December because I'm pretty sure as a Heisman voter uh, you are not allowed to reveal your vote. Um, do you know the consequences uh, if you do reveal your vote publicly? Well, I think if you're a normal voter, you get your voter vote taken, but I'm sure as a winner, I don't <laughs> think they can take our vote. So, but but we just abide by the uh, the, the rules. I, you know, a lot of times, I, heck, I, I do it, and then I even forget who I do it. And, and so, some of the times my ballot, I know this, some of the times my ballot doesn't even have, you know, the a, a guy that's there um, on the ballot because I try to – vote for the best performances kind of I've seen in person. And normally that's, you know, guys on the best team. So I've seen Stroud, I've seen Hooker, I've seen, you know, all the, you know, I'd put Addison, Jordan Addison, his performance against Stanford. I'd, I'd put him in best performances that, that I've seen firsthand. And, uh, and I, I continue to continue to do that where the, where the I guess the groundswell or media swell is for somebody I don't normally pay attention to that it's normally just my view of what I see with my own eyes and usually my own eyes are pretty good valuation of talent you don't have a there's no write-in option uh it, it the ballot comes so it used to be a paper ballot and you know people think it's easy to vote for the Heisman it's three lines actually it's six lines it says name colon blank school colon blank one, you know, number one, number two, number three. So you have to fill in a ballot and who you feel Josh is the most outstanding player. You can put down as the most outstanding player. And all they have to do is be in college football and, and, and be playing in, in that year. So it doesn't matter what, what school or, or, you know, what division of play, um, you can put them down as most outstanding player, and that's that's how you want. But I, I would say it's very difficult from the standpoint of at the end of the year you're picking the most outstanding player, and you know you're trying to evaluate a quarterback versus a receiver versus a defensive player, and and you can make a case, and then it's like okay, where should they be? Should they be first? Should they you know second, third? Uh, you know, so it, it's a lot tougher than than I think people people think it is just to put down three because it's not it's not a prerequisite that you got to have. Hey, it's got to be some guy they're talking about on TV. It's anybody in college football. Gino Toretta joining us, the uh, Heisman Trophy winner and uh, Heisman Trophy voter emeritus. We're not going to get him in any, in any more trouble talking about his Heisman <laughs> vote. I think I've done enough damage on that. Uh, Gino joins us uh, courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Let's get back to football. Um, I remember a conversation I think we had 
Uh, I want to say it was the Tuesday after week one, and uh, you and, 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 and your team did the uh, the Clemson game, I think it was. And yep. uh, DJ Uyunglele struggled in that game. I know he, he came out toward the end. And I think we talked about at that point in time, is it inevitable that he potentially loses his starting job? Well, uh, Clemson plays a, a, a fun Syracuse team, and, and Dino Babers coaches that team with his Hawaii ties. Hands him their first loss, but we Uncle Ale was taken out of that game. After the game, Coach Dabo Swinney says, um, "You know, DJ's still his guy." But I'll, I'll put you in in Dabo's shoes. You know, after last week and taking him out of the game, can you go back to him? Well, I think you can. I I, I don't. To me, I, I don't think that's an issue. I think that uh, you know any any competitor, anybody that's played at at that level or 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 above you know, wants to go out there and start. And I think that, uh, you know, DJ would want a chance to, to go back out there. I don't, I don't think, I think it's, it would be up to the coaches to, for him to prepare like he's prepared to be the starter uh, every game that, that he started this season and last. And, and I think that, um, you know, there's a very talented club mix, a very talented player that's behind him. I, I think, you know, some of it, and I think we discussed on a Brandon Streeter's a new offensive coordinator, I didn't think he was doing a lot of things that, that really helped DJ. Um, and, and DJ's just been inconsistent um, throughout his, throughout his career. He's shown flashes, his highs are, are really high, but lows are kind of head scratching mistakes. So, you know, I, I think that uh, that's why Dabo gets paid the big bucks. He's going back to DJ. The only thing I would say as a coach is you've done it once yeah, the second time just might be a quicker hook than, than the first time. <laughs> yeah, uh, but and that's. Do you feel like that team has kind of exceeded um, maybe what they are based on on how they've accomplished it, or uh, do you feel like they've done it in spite of? I, I think that they were always going to be there because of their defense, and and I think that we all thought that if their offense could work out their inconsistencies, they would be, you know, kind of have a clear path. I mean, let's be honest, the ACC is not a very good conference this year or has it been a very strong conference the last several years. Um, they should be favored in the, in the rest of their games and, and should have a talent advantage in the rest of their games, and that should really give them a clear path into uh into the playoff into the final four and being undefeated but we all thought they would be there we thought their offense would continue to improve and get better i think their team has gotten better because their defense has continued to get better but you know the inconsistencies of quarterback we there this week and and Davo made a change he got a spark with the backup with the young freshman kid um and and they won the game but let's not say that, I mean, I think he only threw a few passes, so let's not say that he went in there and had to throw for 250 and four touchdowns to, uh, to win the game. He just came in there, gave him a spark, and, uh, and, and they won the game, and the Devils treating that as just a one-time event, and then we're going back to, to DJ as a starter. Heisman Trophy winner Gino Toretta joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Uh, you and the team will be at Kentucky and Tennessee this weekend. What are you expecting? Well, I mean, great offense, two great quarterbacks. Hooker, like I said, one of the top guys uh, for the Heisman Trophy this year. Uh, well, you have six touchdowns versus versus Alabama. He's got some talent on the outside. The fun offense to watch. Josh Apple's got him snapping the ball once. I think it's once every two point, you know, eight nine 
uh, you know, it's crazy that the amount of plays that they that they snap in a, in a minute. Um, and anytime you do that, you're gonna you're gonna have a chance to win a game. I, their defense has has been good enough. Obviously, defense was optional against Alabama, um, and that Will Levis at Kentucky is considered a top first round pick, uh, stud quarterback, offensively transferred from from Penn State. He's been outstanding. They they can also run the ball, you know. But really, it's, it's going to come down to what I think is 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 Kentucky's defense. They shut down Mississippi State. Last week, are they good enough to slow down Tennessee enough? Because Hendon Hooker's thrown one interception this season. Uh, he's played lights out when he's been in the biggest stages. He's had his best games, and he is just really on the same page with Hypo and the offensive staff and and running that system. So, and and the environment is just one of the one of the truly awesome environments in in college football, right on the right on the river and. And the rocky top will be will be rocking, and you know, obviously, you got a border, you know, bordering state team coming in there. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun environment. Gino Toretta, have fun this weekend. Uh, we'll miss each other next week because of the World Series, but uh, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Sounds good, Josh. All right, take it easy. That's Gino Toretta, the Heisman Trophy winner, and the guy who will not he will not mess up his Heisman vote. He will not give it away, although, as he said, he won it. So what are they going to do if he happens to give his vote publicly? See, I see a little bit of that rebel in Gino Toretta, that, that, that slight rebel coming out, and he says, but I, you know, abide by the rules of the, the Heisman Trophy voting. That's why we love having him. He joins us, like all of our guests do, courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. Uh, let's check our M. Dyer Global scoreboard. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Hey, there's an NBA game on television, and it's not Christmas Day. And it happens to be on our televisions in studio. Where's the Maction? It's not here this week. I, I know. I'm, 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 I'm playing. Uh, New Orleans, 112-109 lead. I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of the fact that usually on Tuesdays, it's Maction Tuesdays. We don't have Maction Tuesdays. So we're, we're watching a, a, a Mavericks team where, where Luka Doncic gets hurt. Uh, and uh, he's, uh, he had a bum ankle, left the game. And his Mavericks team still competing. They're down three with eight seconds to go. Oh, Luka's back in the game. And Luka's going for a two instead of a three. Oh, Luka. 112, 111, four seconds to go. Uh, that game is in the uh, the final seconds. Uh, also, uh, in the NBA, because uh, that's really what we got. We're waiting for the World Series uh, to get back underway on Friday. Uh, you've got uh, Golden State and Phoenix, which is part of the uh, NBA slate later today. 133 to go in the third quarter. No Kawhi Leonard again. Oklahoma City leading the Los Angeles Clippers, 81-64. And Washington over the Detroit Pistons, 120-99. That is your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. You are listening to the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll do some crowdsourcing. There will be a new stadium. I don't want to hear otherwise. What are the things that could steal some ideas from other stadiums if you've been to some? What are the things that you think 
should be in there that you believe will make the experience uh, what the experience should be. We'll do that coming up on uh, about 12 minutes. I think we've got to look at traffic coming up at the top of the hour. We've got Sports Center at the top of the hour. Uh, we've got all that for you here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, what you will also find out in Sports Center, Luka Doncic, not clutch, uh, misses a three at the buzzer. Mavericks lose 113-111. To the New Orleans Pelicans, we also have to see how his ankle's doing because he uh, he was down for uh, uh, he was down near the half. But uh, hey, Doncic is still fun to watch. Just just ribbing him because you know why? It's still the first week of the season. I'm just I'm you know I'm having a little fun with it. Um, to the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Mark Texton, we were talking about the Niners earlier, in which I mentioned uh, the Niners have one more move to make, and that is to improve its defense. Mark says, Aloha, Josh. You brought up some interesting stuff about the 2022-2023 49ers. Last year, the Niners had a similar season with much injuries, and after three games, or after eight games, three wins, five losses. They ended up in the playoffs and were a Final Four NFL playoff team, making it to the NFL championship game. It is still early in the NFL, and I agree the NFC is wide open this season. I like the Niners' chances if they can get healthy. Last year was uh, – there are some similarities, I agree. Um, you know, The one thing that the Niners did that really kind of changed the game was they they changed the way they used Debo. And uh, I, I really believed – uh, Debo was the MVP of that team in the second half of the season. Thing is, um, they can't do that again because, A, they still kind of, in a smaller way, use Debo uh, to, to, to run the football. And, B, there's no element of surprise. That's uh, that's gone now. So, uh, you know, you, you, you can't really do that. You can play the element of surprise now, by the way, um, with how you use, you know, Christian McCaffrey. I think that's the thing, and, and Tanner hinted at it a little bit earlier, because Christian McCaffrey um, has experience in playing at one of the receiver positions. I feel like they are a little bit interchangeable, and if you want to, uh, if you want to get a little fancy, hey, that's that's the element of surprise that you have. Uh, but you can't give up forty some odd points and think, hey, your element of surprise. Um, or your, you know, your ability to change things up and and uh, be something a little bit different would work. Um, I I don't think you can do that. So it, it's it, the injuries are important and and they are piling up. But you know what? As is as it is across the league, injuries do pile up all the time. And um, you know every team deals with them. The Niners aren't the only ones, and it's it, it's not just the battle of attrition but it is also the uh, uh you know it, it is it is also about hey um what can we do to keep that from uh deflating our season and 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 that's kind of where i put what you need to do with the trade deadline this is also i you know i i think this is maybe some of the most action we've seen closing in a trade deadline in in quite some time i mean uh, we saw the Cowboys make a move today, grabbing a defensive lineman from uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. We saw the uh, the New York Jets grab a running back who was not used last weekend uh, as much by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, we're seeing impactful moves. The Cowboys want to bolster up their defensive front. Um, 
maybe not as impactful as some of the other moves, but still meaningful. Uh, Cowboys have, I think, placed a premium in the last couple of years on defense, and I think you have seen what Dallas has tried to do defensively. So it, it's a move that makes a lot of sense. There's not a lot of need to do anything else uh, on, on the offensive side of the ball. If you're going to bolster, if you're going to build, I think where you do that is is definitely in the opposite side of the ball. Uh, and that's what San Francisco, I think, needs to do is uh, is really boost things on the other side of the ball if it wants to be long-term, not just looking at things in week eight. Um, if we're talking long-term, week nine, week 10, um, beyond that, uh, week 17, week 18, then, then yeah, that's that's the kind of conversations that you have to have. You're bolstering yourself for the end of the year. Um, and I and I think the Niners have done that on one half of the one side of the ball. They need to do that on the other. Um, if you're a if if your football team is kind of in that similar position, I'm also interested to hear from you on that. Um, do you think your team has to do something when normally most teams don't? Um, is there a team is if it's your team or somebody else's that needs to do something at the trade deadline? That needs to break the norm of most everybody not doing anything in order to try to make a run here um, in what is maybe one of the more uh, wide-open NFL years. I say that now going into week eight. It, it still feels like a little it's, – it's a little early to say it. But um, in, in a year where there is – frankly, there is no runaway great team – do you feel like there's pressure for your team or another team uh, to do something before uh, b- before we reach the deadline? All right, we'll uh, we'll check on Sports Center coming up at the top of the hour. I think we got to look at traffic coming up as well as uh, we get you through the rest of your day. I'm Josh Pacheco, uh, Arnold Martinez, our Tuesday turnaround. We'll talk University of Hawaii football with him coming up in a little over an hour. We invite you to interact with us on that, looking after uh, Hawaii's loss to uh, to Colorado State. Plenty to come. This is the Sports Animals. The stadium conversation is next. This is ESPN Honolulu. Coming up in about an hour, our Tuesday turnaround with my partner in crime on uh, the University of Hawaii pregame and halftime shows, Coach Arnold Martinez from 5 to 5.30. Uh, this is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. They'll see you tomorrow morning. Uh, this is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of our Aloha Kia hotline. Um I was we, we've had shows kind of off and on, so I haven't had a lot of opportunities to to get back to uh, to the stadium thing. And no, I'm not using the stadium as a crutch for content. Um, but I was watching last week the um, uh, one of the uh, the Aloha Stadium meetings that they had. It was the uh, the you know, they they had gone in and they were talking a little bit about. There, there were some mundane stuff. There was an executive session thing about a personnel matter. Um, and then uh, really the, there were two highlights of the meeting. One was when Senator Glenn Wakai uh, basically called out 
uh, Mike McCartney, who is uh, involved, who is in charge of uh, DBDT, and basically said he had mis and had called him out on mischaracterizations, which was awkward because uh, the senator was on via Zoom and Mr. McCartney was sitting in the room. Um, and really could not respond to anything because that probably would not have been, you know, proper. Um, but, you know, brought up falsehoods and, and, you know, there were there were mischaracterizations and basically said they don't know that what's going on is uh, abides by the law and that the stadium authority has the authority to make the decisions on what's going on at the stadium moving forward. I don't know that we really need to hash all that out because, quite honestly, um, it's it's grown tiresome. The other thing was um, the the pictures from Snapdragon Stadium. So Ryan Andrews, who who runs the stadium, he uh, put together a, a really cool presentation, basically covering all the different aspects of um, you know Snapdragon Stadium in, in San Diego because they all went and they they took some shots of it and um, I think in kind of grabbing a sense of you know what they do. What would work here? Um, you know what their challenges are. I'll give you a couple of highlights because, uh, yeah, I I did spend time watching that highlight. A, um, they have different types of seating that I think is really cool. Uh, their their club spaces are are, are really neat, uh, and but more so, um, it's not like just a a generic stadium. Actually, one of the things that I liked, and I wish I could have gone, um, you know, maybe, maybe on a trip to San Diego, I can get a tour. Um, you know, I'll be up there for, uh, for, I think I'll be going for the Tony Gwynn classic this year. I should be. Yeah, I'll be in the area. <laughs> I'll, I'll be around in February. Maybe I can get a tour of Snapdragon stadium. See if there's uh there's a way they can let me in, but, um, they have, they have an area that it's kind of just like open space. Um, it, it's like it's like a plaza seating, but it's not really to watch the game. It's not a, a you know, seating with a view. It's kind of just let let's say, um, what's the best way I could put it? It's like going to an outdoor mall, and you're finding places to sit in an outdoor mall, and you want to sit there, eat something, um, converse. You know, the game, you might not really care about about watching the game, but, you know, you're you're spending time with some friends or you're spending some time with some fam family. You're like, all right, um, you know, let's let's sit here, um, you know, on these uh, at these tables or at these benches and uh, or in this grassy area. And, you know, let's just you know enjoy some good time together. You know, I like that. I don't. I don't think stadiums can just be stadiums anymore. I. Th I think that they have to um, be a little more modern and 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 be a little bit more than just a place where you go inside a, a a bowl type of area and watch a game. You know, I. I. I really liked it. I also really liked that. Uh, well, there's two other things that I really liked, and and we'll go to the crowdsourcing part next. I. I liked that. The two other things that I really liked that I would love to see here is a cashless environment it's like being on a plane um you know when you're on a plane you're you're not using a, you're, you're not spending cash you're not giving uh, the flight attendant a five dollar bill well you need a couple uh and coins 
uh, to get that little snack box on your flight to the mainland. You know, um, it's it's all on an app or it's all on a card. And they're a cashless environment at Snapdragon Stadium. And they also do what they call reverse ATMs, where if you have cash but you don't have a card on you, you can put cash into a machine and it spits out a card where your cash is on that card. Um, it's it's sustainable. I like it. Keeps things much cleaner. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. And the other thing that I really liked was um, they had brand name things that were uh, that were there for concessions. The thing that I thought was actually kind of weird, um, they had they actually use. I'm surprised by it. They use shipping containers at um, at Snapdragon Stadium. They use shipping containers for their concessions. They repurpose them. They paint them. They add TVs. They kind of liven them up in the area that it's in, and that's their their concessions. Now, granted, um, at the Clarence T. Seaching Athletics Complex, they also repurposed shipping containers. That's our press box. All of the the boxes for for us, radio, television, print, um, game day ops, and all that stuff, those are all um, converted shipping containers to, to be able to make that work. And you know what? When you walk in there, you would never think it. Because the AC is freezing cold, and you got a TV in there, and it's kept really nice. There are uses for it. It's it's kind of like a sustainable kind of thing, uh, but they have brand named things, um, and and not just brand named, but brand named and local. Um, that is one of the things that they really wanted to to ensure that they had. I think is as, as um, uh, you know, I think Ryan. Ryan Andrews had said it this way. Um, people don't just go to a stadium to watch a game. You know, um, part of the experience of going to a stadium is eating. And so, you know, I've, I've never had a lot of these things, to be honest. And I, I've, I've got some work to do on my travels um, over the next, uh, you know, from, you know, the next few months. I've got some work to do to catch up on, on you know, some of these places to eat. And uh, not just going to Chick-fil-A all the time. But, um, you know, places like, for example, Hodad's. Hodad's is a really popular burger place in in San Diego. And they've got a Hodad's there. Uh, the Crack Shack is really popular. That's uh, fried chicken and eggs. They have that there. Um, they basically made sure they took the best of local fare and they made it part of what they have at the stadium. Not just generic. Not just, um, here's just a random place to go get hot dogs and fries. That they made a concerted effort to make sure that you had things that people would go back, you know, or as as it was put, um, things that would make you be okay with waiting in line to grab food. But then it's not only that, they also have the mobile ordering and delivery inside the stadium, which alleviates a little bit of the line thing. Um, basically, that stadium is in the year 2022. Now, there are some challenges that they had, and we don't need to get into those. Um, but again, that's that's a stadium up in the modern times. And, and let's be honest, Aloha Stadium, as old as it was, also acted old in the way uh, their operations were.
which, as we've talked about and I've said many times, um, really did not create a favorable experience. So I bring up those things because I feel like it's a good time to crowdsource. Crowdsource the things that you believe need to be a part of the stadium experience. And I want to preface it because I'm seeing it from some people in the text messages. We're not talking about seating, okay? We're not talking about how many seats need to be at the venue whenever it is built. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about experience. So things like, yeah, um, let's let's say I, I'll, I'll give an example. I'm not using this as, as, as free advertising or anything like that, but um, – you know, let's let's say I want to. Um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name that I want to use, but uh, let's let's just say you know what. I'm I I I'm oh I know what it is. Okay, let's say I'm going to a game. You know what? I want to have a poke bowl, but not from some random generic place. Like oh okay, there's a place called Poke Way, and. Um, I know because I've had their poke bowls when I go there and eat them on my lunch break. And, oh, they've got that at that stadium. You know what? I will wait in line, gladly wait in line, or I will mobile order that and get that to my seat because, you know what? I know it. It's a brand. It's not a generic hot dog inside a bun. Things like that. That's that's why I bring that up because I think that's a, you know, the kind of experience you need is something that is brand name. Something that is um, maybe unique locally. It doesn't have to be a national brand, but something that is not, again, generic. And I also do believe that you've got to make the environment a little more inviting. You want to park at uh, at said venue? Like, I, I went to, um, oh, where was it? Um, whatever ballpark it was I went to. Oh, in, in Sacramento, when I went to the Rivercat Stadium. Parking in just a random gravel lot. But... Their people have credit card machines that are attached to their hip where if I wanted to pay for parking, I didn't need to only give them cash that I could actually swipe my card and pay for parking and put the receipt on my dash. Again, something that just a couple of years ago couldn't be done at Aloha Stadium, which frankly is kind of pathetic in in the 2020s. That's what I mean. That's what we're trying to crowdsource here. What are the things that are needed for the kind of experience that you would expect at um, whatever this new venue is going to be? And the third one, yeah, I want to see open spaces. And I want to see open spaces that aren't just slabs of concrete with tables on them. Like, yeah, I'd like to see open spaces with, you know, a little bit of greenery, with something that, um, you know, kind of feels like, I'm going to a to a um, I'm I'm going somewhere cool. Not just oh, I'm going to a game. I'm going, um, I'm going somewhere that I want to be at. And you know what? If the game's not good, and it's thirty-five to nothing. It can hang out in the plaza and it looks fresh and it looks green and it doesn't look like it's 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 decaying before my eyes. Those are the things that I took away. Those are the things that I'd like to see, whenever this thing gets going. Uh, let's say hi to Reed, who's been waiting very patiently at 808-296-1420. Reed, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Josh. Hey, I, I think the stadium there, the Luau experience, it not only not only for game day, but it, just think about this. The people that come as visitors, 
all want to go do a luau. But if you can get your luau two or three hours before an event, and then the stadium also uses that venue throughout the week to host luau's, um, I, I think it's a win because luau's bring in like 13 buses at a time. And that's almost every day. And essentially located, they're not driving us to the west side. Yeah, but that's... It's, uh, it's an it's an experience unique to Hawaii. You know, I don't know where you can hold that again, not knowing plans. But, you know, I'll, I'll say that something similar to um, what a lot of stadiums are doing. Um, and not just the one in, in San Diego, but a lot of them are not just sports venues that you can go there. Maybe you're not on the field, but you can have on a Tuesday night, um, you could have a corporate get together. Uh, you could celebrate a birthday party for 50 people. I like the luau idea. I, I I think that would be kind of intriguing. I don't know how you fit that in with, with, with space and everything, but I, I like it, and I like how you're thinking. I like how you're thinking unique, which is kind of one of the things that I'm I'm looking at when it comes to like crowdsourcing this kind of, this kind of stuff, but I think you're on to the right thing. The stadium can't just be just for a stadium it has to be multi-use it has to be multi-purpose and it has to be open for other ways of bringing in revenue like those corporate events or stuff like luau's i think it's perfect you know the you know when the stadium used to be able to pivot to a baseball configuration mm -hmm. and even in the foot even in the football configuration there's those corners of the stadium that could host just by putting a stage and some seating in there that could host the luau. It's just those dead corners um, that I think are perfect. Yeah, that's it's not a bad idea. Hey, Reed, thank you for calling. I, I appreciate you listening. Reed's, Reed's thinking along the lines, I would have never thought of a luau. I don't know how that would necessarily work in that space or if you have a side space where, where let's say, again, you're not just a stadium, but that's that could be part of an entertainment district. That also could be something, you know, underneath where you have, you know, one of your one of your club rooms could could potentially lead to that. Or you block off a portion of the field on non-game days and you have as long as you protect the uh, the surface, you have an ability to do things like that. I, I think it would be um really really cool or like a, a concourse area that can lead to seating there's options there are ways you can do it and and i like the way uh reed's thinking we'll get to more of your phone calls your texts have been coming in on this at uh 808-296-1420 uh more of that coming up as we're we're crowdsourcing here um what needs to be in a stadium experience for you as we've learned a little bit about san diego state Heard Canola and Rich talking about the uh, Colorado State experience earlier today on their show. Um, what needs to be in it for you that would make it um, a go-to venue, a must-go-to venue? And no, I'm not talking about number of seats. Uh, more on that coming up. First, the Rivals Fantasy Football Show tomorrow morning at 8 and every Wednesday at 8 here on ESPN Honolulu. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. Gary just killed me in fantasy uh, last weekend. Not proud to say it. Um, great fantasy advice. Vinny Iyer is going to be on the show from Sporting News. You can win a great prize as well. That is Rivals Fantasy Football. It's presented by the Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Stadium crowdsourcing. We'll continue that after a look at traffic. This is ESPN Honolulu. All right, let's continue our uh, crowdsourcing discussion, a.k.a. what talk radio is. 
Um, what do you want to see a stadium experience be like uh, whenever this new stadium opens? And if you've got experiences, uh, share them with us. You know, whatever whatever those experiences um, you know, can be like for you. Um, let's say hi to John uh, at 808-296-1420. What's up, John? Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm not sure how you would do this, but I remember times when uh, I was at Aloha Stadium that you would have I'm kind of thinking like fostering a more family-friendly atmosphere because uh, at times when I was uh, at UH games, you'd, it seems like you didn't invariably have some guy in your section that uh, probably pounded like 15 or 20 beers before they came into the game. And they were kind of obnoxious, using all kinds of language that people did. And it's like you didn't even want to be around them. And I, I can imagine, I don't know how you would do it, but it seems like you got to have an atmosphere where you can come there with your kids and you're not like afraid of like other people uh, in a row because uh, I mean, I wasn't like afraid for my safety, but there was just certain people that you were uh, kind of steering clear of uh, a lot of times when you went to the stadium, I don't know what the solution to that would be with, but with, uh, with all the modern stuff or whatever, it just seemed like it'd be nicer if uh, people that were sitting around you were nicer. I think the one way to do it, and I appreciate your call, John, thank you for listening in. I, I don't remember if Aloha Stadium tried to do this, but I think the one way that you do it is um, you create alcohol-free zones. And so you have a section or two that is uh, designated simply for those that aren't, um, and you give them separate separate wristbands or whatever, um, and there's and there's no alcohol to be consumed in that area. Um, and, and, and anywhere in the stadium, as they're wearing those wristbands that say, we are not drinking alcohol at this venue. And uh, and I think you leave it that way, um, and you have someone kind of monitoring that that area to make sure it stays that way. Uh, Sports Center coming up right now. We take a look at surf. Hey, our Tuesday turnaround with the coach. Arnold Martinez is 30 minutes away. Best 30 minutes of the week, in my opinion, which makes you wonder, why did you save it for a Tuesday? Well, if it's on a Wednesday, then it's old material. If it's Thursday, you can't really turn around. And if it's Friday, man, we're, my, our mindset's already to the weekend at that point. <laughs> can't can't really do it at that point. We're talking. We're 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 doing um, what would normally be called crowdsourcing. What we call doing a radio show and talk radio. Um, what would be the thing that would create the experience that you want? at um, whatever this stadium is going to be. And we gave examples of some of the stuff Snapdragon Stadium is doing. Canola and Rich talked about Canvas Stadium in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, we're taking some of the things that uh, that you're talking about. Um, you know, John, uh, was it, no, John called in earlier about basically the you know, experience of people who drink, which I think, unfortunately, you're going to have that at, um, you know, any venue, unless you're at a venue that just does not sell alcohol. Um, and in college sports, there have been a lot of venues who did not sell alcohol. Some have recently uh, changed their philosophy on that. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a revenue maker for them. Um, you know, another one, uh, Reed earlier called called about you know having other events. Um, you know, pre-game like a, you know attracting people to go to an event and maybe go go to a game later, like a like a luau. 
which I, I mentioned, hey, you know, many stadiums nowadays, their their stadiums are open or their baseball fields are open, not just for a game. They're open during the week for a, um, you know, for a corporate event, um, you know, a birthday party. You know, they have those club areas. You could get on-field access, stuff like that. You know, you have, um, you know, more uses than just the once-a-week football game. These are, and I think we have to look at the the bigger picture of that when we when we bring that up. Um, they've talked about revenue generators, right? You have to upkeep the stadium. That's another reason why they've talked about the potential for housing. Why they're talking about the um, entertainment district. In fact, you know, I, I I know I'm referencing Ryan Andrews a lot because he he mentioned this in the Aloha Stadium thing last week. But he said um, one of the reasons they're actually there's a corner I think in like the parking lot of Snapdragon Stadium where they're going to build some housing there. And part of why they're doing that is really to offset the cost because I think they got it, um, was it revenue bonds, I think it was, to build the stadium so that, you know, that's how you ultimately pay it back. And if you don't generate the revenue to pay it back, then that's a little bit of a problem. But that's why, yeah, entertainment uh, district, that's why housing is to create the revenue needed to pay back those those revenue bonds as quickly as possible. Um, those those are some of the things that I I, I think we're we're kind of looking at. And when so someone brings up a luau or someone brings up you know or I bring up you know corporate events during the week, those are all revenue generating things to be able to pay back a a, a loan or to to lessen the load on the taxpayer or whatever it is that you, you need to do to finance or to fund the stadium. Uh, Drew's been hanging on patiently at 808-296-1420. Hi there, Drew. How you doing? Good. Yourself? I'm just fine. I'm just calling about the stadium. Yes, one thing about the stadium, um, the um, Dragon Stadium is they're, um, when they built it, it was 35000 is a seat. And they did bring in NFL sources to talk to them. But it can expand up to fifty-five to seat 55000 mm-hmm. That's very important. And it has multiple events there. My thing about a business district, you have to have a business district, as you stated. It's going to create great revenue. That's, that's a big thing with having a business district. All the different um, sporting events, um, stadiums I've been through, the ones that didn't have good business um, districts, they're turning into business districts now. And my vision is just Hawaii, their culture. You could have luau's. You could have um, groups singing. There's number. There's so many things that you can look at. I just don't want it to get caught into building housing because we're limited space. In um, San Diego, they got space. So anything you put there, you got to put there smartly. And it didn't take them forever to build it. I think I average about two years. There were some hiccups here and there. But hopefully we don't have the trouble like it takes 10 years like to build a rail. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, uh, Drew, hey, when, when did you go? Did you go for the UH game? No, I didn't go for the UH game. I went up. I'm talking about the different NFL stadiums that I've been around. Oh, because I, I thought you said you went to Snapdragon Stadium. Did you? No, no. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. Uh, okay. When you were talking about it, I did some research, and I was like, that was pretty impressive. And um, a lot of people in the community didn't felt that it could happen, and they did it, you know. But they had a lot of buy-in, and they used a lot of common sense when they did it. So, But we're limited space here in Hawaii. So anything you bring in, you're going to have to be, you know, they have more room, ordinarily more land, but and they can do a little more. So, but we got to be smart about it. I just hope it don't get bogged down. It costs an average of 
$310 million, I think, in 2021 or 2022 when they finished. And, you know, the race, the way things are going up now, I just hope it doesn't get all politically where they just ruin the stadium. It's got to be smart, and the right people have to be in there making the right decision because it's a, you could do other events there. You can envision where you have an event where you could have probably the um, soccer championship, the rugby championship. There's just so many possibilities if we do it right. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, thank you for the call. Uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, I was going through the text. I thought I saw a text of, of someone who said that they were uh, they had been to, to Snapdragon Stadium, and I guess uh, either I misread it. I was I was going to use that as a good transition to go there, but uh, uh, I guess I didn't see it. But that's you know good insight. I, I think I, I see where he's where he's coming from with that stadium. Um, the ability to expand for things like, yeah, if you want to have an NFL game or if you uh, want to have another event. I don't know how I feel about, not expansion necessarily, but because, again, I don't want to get into the seating number. This is not about seating number. This is about experience. This is about when you're there, what's going to make your experience. And I, and I want to make sure we, we kind of like narrow it in on that. Uh, because I don't want to get bogged down into 35, but it could be 55. 35, but we want to attract an MLS franchise. 35, but we really want the Pro Bowl back. Yeah, Pro Bowl's not coming back. It's done. Um, or we'd love a Rams preseason game to come back. Like, that's not experience. That's, we're wishing at that point. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do wishing here. Like, I, I, I want to talk about, um, things that are real and are doable that just takes vision and ability. Uh, Tanner, uh, I, I said I'd bring you in, and so, because uh, you had one, right? You, you said you had something, so share that uh, Share that with the class, Tanner. Well, I think I'm going to take a page out of Rich Hill's book. Because oh, right. I think... I hope uh, Rich Hill's listening. I hope Rich, Rich will feel proud of, that you're taking something out of his playbook. And if you don't know... Baseball coach for the University of Hawaii. Yes. For if for the for those that are not great um, guy, awesome guy. He did something that I really loved with the Les Murakami, mm-hmm. where he, on the wall, he put out the uh, team that went to the College World Series. He put out Les. I think if we're gonna go to Holava, uh, I think there should be some ownership of UH and. Aloha Stadium together because I always felt like whenever I went to Aloha Stadium, it felt like I was going to generic stadium in Hawaii, like generic built stadium in a Madden football game. Okay. Because it was just, like you said, it wasn't like a lot of brand name stuff. It was just the stadium. The only way you knew that Hawaii played there was because of the big H in the middle of the field. Okay. I would love to somehow see some of the, you know, greats of Hawaii's football's past incorporated, you know, somehow into the stadium. It doesn't maybe like how, you know, not like a banner hanging from the top, but a lot of stadiums a lot have those retired numbers, banners, mm-hmm. that are just mostly like a horizontal flag, the number of the player. We have two. We have both Colt and um, uh, Kaulu Kukui, right? I believe so. So I, I think I just want to see some a partnership slash ownership of just, this is where UH plays, and this is not just a stadium that, you know, that's just in Halava. Yeah. Um, I like that. 
So you're you're it talking creates an identity. It's an identity. I, I think it's a little bit different than what we're kind of talking about with with experience. But I but I but I I don't want to discount what you're saying because um, identity is very important. Um, Aloha Stadium's identity in its current state when it was open to people. Aloha Aloha Stadium's identity, quite frankly, was stuck in 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 the underneath where nobody goes. It was it was stuck in the bowels of the stadium. For those that use the elevator, that took forever to get from one place to another. And I'm not exaggerating. When it worked, forever. And I'm not discounting the time where I talked about the point where uh, uh, the door accidentally fell on somebody's head once. Forever. There was no identity for that place. All those posters of the car shows, of the MMA bouts, of that baseball game with the Padres and the Cardinals, of football games, the helmets. It wasn't for everybody to see unless you worked there or unless you were a coach or unless you were a player, or unless you're a member of the media getting to a game five hours early, taking the elevator to get up to the press box. That took forever. I'm done, I promise. I'm done. Um, That's where it all was. The locker room with Nick Rolovich from Parts Unknown with with his helmet and his jersey stuck in the annals of Aloha Stadium, the bowels of Aloha Stadium, where it was there for nobody to appreciate unless you were getting a salary or you were being paid by the event. I'm not going to say forever again. But you see what I mean? Like, that's a great point. Um, Have an area that is visible to the public. And it honestly, it doesn't have to be in, in the round of the stadium necessarily. It could be on the outside before you get in. Where, you know, and, and this is the bummer. I I get that they have to auction off all this stuff. The posters, the very rusted seats, um, the apparently, what did I see on Twitter? Empty beer bottles. Literally, auctioning off empty beer bottles. Um, but, you know, outside of the empty beer bottles and the full can, yeah, wonder if the beer's good in that full can that's being auctioned off. Why don't you have why don't why don't you not sell it? Are we that hard up for money? Why don't you not sell it and make it a part of the new stadium to share a bit of the past for those who may have never been to the old stadium, the youngsters, the kids, the 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 history of that place and create new pieces of history that you could ultimately put in that place too for people to walk by and check out and and maybe touch a helmet. No, don't touch anything. Um, but, you know, just kind of just walk around and see stuff. Maybe have some appearances. Maybe have people sign some autographs on some special days. Maybe make that an attraction. But we're selling these things, which I get. I get that you want to get them out of your hands, but, man, you could be creative with them. Man, you could make something cool at a new stadium. But then what? You open the new stadium. Now you have no tie to the past except for the land you're sitting on. That's a shame. It's a, it's a shame. Now, 
the seats. No, you don't need to see those seats anywhere else. No, let let someone buy a mostly rusted seat. That's that's fine. Um, if someone's gonna go buy a hot dog tray from the concession area, okay, fine. But man, some of that other stuff. It does make me wonder uh, what that what whoever is the top bidder for the welcome to Aloha Stadium sign. What are you gonna do with that? That's just gonna be in your house. Be like, hey, check this out. Yeah, and then six months later, your wife's going to be like, you really spent money on that? As now, it's, like, rusting uh, down. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that can't go over well in your household. And I don't think you're putting it in your front lawn because someone's going to steal it in two days. So um, what, 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 are, what are you really, really doing? Now that I'm off that soapbox, because that was, that was a rant I did not expect I would go on about how you treat your history, and how I honestly think Aloha Stadium is actually doing a disservice to its history by selling a bunch of it. Um, unless it's mandated that it does, it's a shame. Um, because I'd love for people to see some of those posters and helmets and memorabilia and be able to, to take their kids there and say, hey, I went to this game, and you know, a chunk of the field. Um, you know, something from the locker rooms. I, you know, Something. Keep we we rag on that stadium a lot. I, that's not lost on me. A lot of times when we talk about the current Aloha Stadium, there aren't many great things to say about it. I get that, and I and I know it's not fun. And if there's anybody from the stadium authorities probably listening, they're probably not enjoying hearing that. But you know, way back when it wasn't like that. I'm sure, probably before I was born. It wasn't like that. Probably in, in, in the great heydays of that stadium, it wasn't like that. That wasn't what people said, and that's not how people talked about the stadium. And I'm sure you'd love to get back to that place again where um, you had better thoughts, you had you had greater, greater memories of that place, and yet we're just selling them all off. Uh, let's check on our M. Dyer Global scoreboard. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Moving Hawaii into the future, they're in the second quarter. 50-43 lead for the Phoenix Suns against the Golden State Warriors uh, on a primetime Tuesday night NBA game. It is a, uh, a light slate of games today in the NBA, which is you know usually how those uh, Tuesday nights go. Uh, we saw uh, a, a missed three for Luka Doncic at the end. Pelicans beat the Mavericks 113-111. Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. He's missing more games because of knee stiffness. 108-94. The Thunder were not stiff tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm going to regret saying that. Uh, Washington 120-99 over the Detroit Pistons as well. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. Let's check on traffic. All right, Tuesday turnaround with Arno Martinez is coming up uh, at the top of the hour. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All right, a um, couple of quick texts here from the Zephyr Insurance text line on uh, uh, stadium experience. And we're, we're talking about not like seating and stuff, like that, but, but experiences, things that make you want to go back, things that make you enjoy what, what you're doing and where you're going and, and how you're spending your money. Uh, but I will use Jason from Kaneohe in his text. The rant is appropriate today. Which one, the elevator or the uh, the memorabilia creating like your own Hall of Fame in the next, uh, <laughs> the, the, the next venue? 
I hope he <laughs> I hope he meant the elevator, but I know he didn't. Uh, texter from the 330. You were talking about local brand names. I was. Um, in food. Now, I know they, they have a vendor for that, um, which is which is center plate. I don't know how that's going to work with the new venue, but what I was saying was um, names that people will want to stand in line for um, that are recognizable and not generic. And uh, Texter from the 330 says, how's about getting Rainbow Drive-In or W&M Burger to set up shop at the new stadium? Um. No problems with that whatsoever. Uh, if if that's something uh, that they would want to do, Tanner te- write, writes in Chick Fil A, then writes in high. I, we could go on and on in, with with that, but that was what um, San Diego State was doing: recognizable names that would make people want to to be in line and enjoy their food. Um, Texter from the uh, the the seven oh six says. The rise of entertainment districts in the inside-out stadium. You want to have entertainment in and all around the stadium. Hawaii groups singing, etc. Uh, games. Those are uh, uh, those are some of the things that uh, that they bring up there. And uh, let's get one more here. Texter from the 983. Having been to many stadiums on the continent, most recently Snapdragon. That's the one I was looking for. So we need what? One. Shade. Whatever, however we do it. 70% of the seats at minimum need shade. Not a bad idea. Um, I can I can recall being at a Pro Bowl, uh, sitting in the lower level on the side. That was not, that was the, the hottest side of the field. I can remember that one year. And the only reprieve we got was having the NFL banner hung over our heads during the National Anthem. Uh, Texter says, walkways and any gathering spaces as well. You're on the right path with your thoughts. Two, we need to get away from the pop-up vendors. Says, brick and mortar. If we keep the pop-up beer, tacos, whatever vendors, any empty space will be considered sales floors instead of gathering places, which is what their intent is. Gathering spa- gathering places is a great word. I didn't, I didn't use that. Uh, and three, ushers that do their job. <laughs> it's funny. Texter says, I'll leave it at that. And then says, sorry, can't leave it at that. Says, uh, more water fountains, cashless facility, as you said. Um, yeah, water fountains can be good, but I also think they do want to make you buy a bottle of water for six bucks. So uh, you, I don't know how much you can get away with the water fountain uh, water fountain part. But thank you for not leaving it at that. Yeah, cashless venue, I think, is something you – you th- that's, that has to be a requirement now, I think. Uh, one more from the 384. Just went to Austin Stadium. For the Oregon-UCLA game, they have food trucks inside the gate. Also, several smaller concessions throughout the stadium. Lines were minimal. Uh, pretty cool. I, I, I think we're, we're noting how you deal with food can be a make or break for whether uh, someone goes back to your venue, regardless of how big of a fan they are, especially with television and, and pay-per-view. No, people. Pay-per-view does not kill attendance. It is... Stadium experience that makes or breaks attendance. Uh, we'll talk with Arno Martinez coming up next after Sports Center. Our Tuesday turnaround coming up in a moment, but I, I need to get this text off of the, well, it's never going to leave the Zephyr Insurance text line, but I need to get it from the Zephyr Insurance text line to the radio um, 
which it, it kind of makes my day when I know someone's listening and they actually contribute to a conversation um, with their own, um, you know, their their own experiences. We were talking about um, the auctioning off of memorabilia, which I think is a big mistake uh, for Aloha Stadium. I, I know some people want some stuff, and and I'm sure they could use some money, but um, I would love to see a lot of that memorabilia as part of a new Aloha Stadium to uh, to create an area where you can revisit some of the past, like a, a, an Aloha Stadium Hall of Fame. You know, something that you could take your kids to and say, hey, this is what I got to check out. Look at this. Look how cool it is. Um, I think it's a, a, a mistake. It's a, it's a shame, actually. And I want to read this text. Um, texter says, I'm listening to your show and totally agree about not selling off the historical memorabilia of Aloha Stadium, which I only recently saw when I volunteered at the last Great Aloha Run and was able to walk through the bowels of the stadium, as you said. Listen to this individual. I was a 30-plus year season ticket holder of UH football and never knew that all that cool history and memorabilia existed and and was displayed. They should definitely take those with them to link the past to present to future of the stadium. And then it says, I feel they should auction off the seats to previous season ticket holders first, then to the public after. Said something about marketing uh, for UH, which I think is separate, and then says, that's my rant. Tanner, real quickly, I know you're walking away. Sorry, I know you were walking away. But you said something that was being auctioned among the things that are being auctioned that I think are just uh, – I, I just can't believe being auctioned. What did you say was being auctioned? Uh, employee of the month? Employee of the month placard. <laughs> so not only is it the last employee of the month that was on there, it is the prior – employees of the previous months as well. So, hey, if you're a lucky guy, uh, maybe you want to put something up that'll make your Waimanalo home look real special. You know, I believe that should not be auctioned off. That should just be given to an employee of the month. I I, I don't know. I don't know that it's that hard, Um, but I really think that the employee of the month should get the employee of the month uh, banner. Don't think it's that hard. But I but I also realize we are asking a lot of uh, of this. Or, I don't know, um, the employee of the month should just have a, a placard anyway. But um, I don't know why we should be selling an employee of the month. Uh, Arnold Martinez is waiting very patiently and wondering why we are talking about any of this. Uh, Arnold, how much time did you spend when, you know, in some of the times when you've done, um, uh, you, you've done high school games at Aloha Stadium? Can you remember how many times you waited minutes upon minutes for the elevator and, uh, and looked at some of the things that were, that were there, uh, with some of the history of that place? Have you ever kind of found yourself doing that? A compelling uh, topic here, guys. I, I, no, I'm I'm listening, and and I gotta say I agree with you guys. I agree with the text too. Yeah, I have seen. Um, or the answer is yes. I've seen just countless uh, historical pieces in there, even uh, down, like your your text said, your uh, text guy said, in the bowels there, down in um, you know, in the press room near the press area in the bottom, in the tunnels leading to the locker rooms. You know, we we play there. You go through all there too, and 
you see all of the concert posters and the, and then all of the former players up the, the big banners. I'm in agreement. I mean, I think that would be fantastic memorabilia for a muse, somewhat of a museum to bridge the past with the new, if they ever get the stadium up, right. Um, have a room, have another tunnel that goes from the old to the new, or, you know what I mean? Uh, like a transition area, something like something like that, because there are some great pieces down there. And you're right, the employee of the month. Why can't that go to the employee of the month? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe there are some folks who will pay uh, 10 bucks to have someone else's name of an employee, a stranger they don't know. That's and a little they can weird. Put that in a garage or something. It's a little, it's a little weird. different, isn't it? It's yeah. a little odd. Yeah, just a uh, just a little bit. Um, Arnold, <laughs> this is this is the wholesome conversation we brought Arnold Martinez for uh, yeah. for our uh, our Tuesday turnaround here on ESPN Honolulu. We invite you to be part of the conversation. Our uh, Zephyr Insurance text lines at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty, and you can call us at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty as well. I hope uh, I, I hope John Fink's listening. Big fan of John Fink's work in television. Never actually gotten to talk to him, but it, I know he works with the Stadium Authority, and I I, I know he'd appreciate some of this. So, uh, John, if you're listening, uh, yeah, uh, something some stuff I think to consider. All right, let's let's talk about the game. Uh, we'll start here, sure. and then uh, next segment we'll we'll do our normal turnaround leading into. Uh, uh, the Paniolo Trophy with Wyoming. But I, I'm thinking back to something Rich Miano said earlier today, and I, I wanted to get your feedback on it. You know, he talked about the offense in the first half. The 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 run-and-shoot concepts were flowing. You know, he, he saw some throws that Braden Shager was making that were, I think, plus-level throws. There was some good execution uh, and, and some 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 good movement with that offense. It seemed like in, in the second half, the way Rich put it, and, and, and I, I kind of agree – it seemed like you didn't see the, the, the run-and-shoot concepts. It was almost like we went back in time about a month. Um, what did you see as, as you were watching that back? I, I absolutely agree with the same thing. I mean, I, in my notes I'd, um, at the game at, at, that, uh, that day, you know, I was talking about how the offense did disappear from the first half. I think at pregame we mentioned um, that, you know, there were a couple of series there where the ball was firing out of there, and it was like seam here. Um, flat here, you know what I mean? Uh, and Shager's processing was quick, more decisive, and the ball came out. And I thought his anticipation was was, was sharp, you know, and, and it was just a tale of two halves at, at that point because, and that was particularly in the second quarter. I like how the offense really started to move that ball, especially on the short and intermediate routes um, in, in the quick passing game. And and they were on the same page reading these uh, their option routes, and the ball was coming out, and the chains were moving. They were moving. They they were driving down the field, and um, and you know, and then and then the run game mixed in with that, obviously too. I thought it was very productive uh, in the first half, seventy eight yards, so enough to keep the defense honest. And then you go in thirteen ten at half. Adjustments should have been made um, based on the data that they took from the first half. And then coming out, the offense disappeared, um, you know, in all honesty, in the second half. They had 12 first downs in the first half, three in the second. Um, in time of possession, they couldn't sustain a drive. The offense had the ball third quarter, three minutes and 43 seconds to 11, and seven, 11 minutes and 17 seconds of Wyoming. In the fourth quarter, offense had it four minutes to Wyoming. I mean, not Wyoming, um, the Rams, 10 minutes and 20 seconds. And so um, 78 Net rushing yards in the first half, 12 in the second. But all of that goes hand in hand, right? The rushing and, and, and the quick pass game and, and those concepts. 
the improvement they made in the offense that was working well that we've seen and we saw this upward progression and we saw it kind of carry through in that first half, right? Doing enough to move the ball, keep the chains moving, ball coming out quick. Uh, the concepts, you know, they were in, they were, uh, in better sync, disappeared the second half. And, uh, you know, now, you know, I think it's easy to say the offense was horrible the second half or they laid an egg. But the question is why, right? Right. I, you know, and I think, you know, was it poor execution of scheme? Was it play call sequencing? Was it, I don't know, lack of halftime adjustments or in-game adjustments? Or was it just better adjustments by Colorado State? And did they just execute better? I mean, it, it, right? I mean, you can ask all those questions, but in my opinion, I think it was a function and a combination of all those factors. I think, you know, uh, the Hawaii offense had a lot to do with it execution and the coaching and, and uh, the, the sequencing of the plays in addition to, Hey, Colorado state made some adjustments, right? They play defense too. They got scholarship guys over there right? and they practice every day too. And so, um, and they scout as well. And, and so ultimately, you know, the Rams adjustments in the second half, I thought just were better. They executed better warriors um, also, you know, played into that. I thought they played poorly in some ways. I thought the play sequencing was a little different. Um, and they had self-inflicted wounds. Um, so I, I think that's kind of what happened. I, I think that's, you know, really one of the bummers of, of, of the whole thing, because I think you can give credit to, you know, what you saw in the first half, which was the closest thing I think to a complete performance. And, and, and I, and I think we also have to preface that too, by saying we're not watching a team that's going to put up 42 points on an opponent. Like we've seen in years past, we're, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not watching a high scoring university of Hawaii football team, but you can, you can still say that was a team that, that controlled itself offensively, that controlled things defensively played probably one of its more complete halves of football even if it wasn't the most pretty, that still kind of was what we got to see, which was nice to see in the first 30 minutes. You can say that at the same time, say it's disappointing to say that that wasn't the same way in the second half. Absolutely. It's just disappointing. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, UH has a long way to go, right. Um, in, in, in building and, and getting better in development, but it was disappointing because we know that they can do it. Right. And I think that's one of those things where, it's not due to uh, a lack of ability. Um, it, it's it's really comes down to decision making and lack of execution. And you know, again, very disappointing um, in the second half. But I will say this: I, I I've listened to the coaches and the players, and they own up to it. Yeah. You know, they're saying the same thing that, you know, they in 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 my words, you know, laid an egg. But they're saying the same thing. They did not uh, uh, come out, and we want to see. Like you said, it's also disappointing because they give us a glimpse of like of what they are capable of. Maybe it's not right. 30 points in the first half, 30, whatever it's going to be, right. It's not going to be high flying the ball out. You know, it's not going to be fast break football air, air it out kind of thing, but we see a glimpse of what they're capable of. And then they just shrink in the second half. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I totally feel the frustration that everybody else feels and they do too. I, you know, the coaches do, the players do, um, and, and all they can do now is, you know, learn from those mistakes. And, and it's one of those things, right? Inconsistent game performances, right? Which normally happens in a program when they're in rebuild mode. But at some point the players have to realize you can't, you can't be great just because you practice well and during the week, mm-hmm. right? 
you, you have to learn from mistakes and eliminate them in games um, if you really want to be great or even good, right? And right now there's no consistency in game transfer. So obviously these coaches are working on things and, and the players are working on things in, in practice, but that's not good enough. It, it, you, can't, you know, you, it has to transfer into the game. Um, you know, I, I know people bring it up when you go to Fort Collins. There's the talk about uh, you know being higher elevation, uh, and mm-hmm. and Scott texted in his th- this question. He asked, "Could it be conditioning for for one of the reasons why you saw that drop off in the second half? Saying maybe they tried, maybe they were tired. Could it be conditioning? What do you think?" I don't know. I I, I think once you get playing, I mean, those guys they condition here and everything. It is a difference than when you play in that thin air. I've been in in, in Colorado springs as well in, in that area. Um, and, and for sure it takes a little bit of acclimation, uh, period. Um, that's why guys normally go there a day or so earlier to get acclimated. Um, but you know, I think if you ask them, you know, that they didn't even think about it. You know what I mean? I think, uh, we don't want to make excuses to the point where, you know, we're trying to, uh, you know, find, find the reason why, um, you, you know, when you're tired, you're tired, but, uh, I don't know if it accounts for that much of a drop-off, I'd say. All right, Coach, stay right there. Uh, when we come back, we will uh, turn our attention to Wyoming. Uh want to get some of uh, your early thoughts as we look ahead to uh, to the Bows and the Cowboys. That's coming up on the other side. Right now, we take a look at traffic. I'm Josh Pushenko. Coach Arnold Martinez joining us as part of our Tuesday turnaround. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. It is the Tuesday turnaround uh, here on the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Coach Arnold Martinez with me. Uh, I'm Josh Pacheco. We'll talk a little bit about um, the upcoming matchup with Wyoming, kind of the early look there. But um, I, I, you and I are, are big on perspective. I know we get an opportunity to talk perspective um, every week on, on our countdown to kickoff shows. And I, and I know you've been feeling a little bit of that perspective or at least trying to share some of it from your end, uh, especially with way, the way this season has gone. So uh, enlighten us, Coach. Well, yeah, no, I, I just feel like, and, and fans have, uh, and everybody really, everybody has a right to an opinion, right? Um, and, uh, you know, but people are passionate and they care, and you love that they care. Uh, but I, I think sometimes it can just get too far over or too extreme. <laughs> and and um, so that's what I mean by perspective, right? I, I think, you know, right now, the, the so let's just look at the program as a whole, right? The The coaches are working hard, the the work that the coaches and players are putting in, obviously this was disappointing. So let's look at this game. The work, the, the work they're putting in to improve is showing some results because we've seen some improvement, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not like you know, total blowouts every game. We've seen improvement, uh, the way they execute. They, they execute well enough to win. But we also see them lose focus at times and, and then the fundamentals and, and, and then they'll execute poorly at times. I think that it, that's what happens and they take some L's, right? But just look at it this way. Two Mountain West losses, okay? Both winnable games. They were leading and did not finish, obviously. But they, did, they, they didn't get totally blown out either, right? They're competitive. First, you know, let's just look at each game. You know, just a little bit here. Um, a close one versus San Diego State. Warriors should have and could have won it, correct? I mean, yeah. we, we agree that it was in their hand. I mean, it was within their grasp. Absolutely. Another game like that against the Rams, right? Should, should have. I say should have because I want them to finish. Should have and could have won it, okay, in the grass. Um, but they weren't blown out in, 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 or embarrassed. In those games, uh, two Mountain West losses, a co- 
they're combined by uh, of six points, right? Um, now, if they get those wins in those two games, today UH is 3-0 and in the Mountain West. <laughs> That's how close it is to them being 3-0 and in conference. And we would be hearing Coach Timmy is a heck of a ball coach, correct? I mean, yep. right? Um, undefeated in conference. Wow, great choice. Instead, the margin of six points in conference with the two losses, we hear Coach Timmy is a horrible hire, horrible coach, not ready, wrong hire. And I think it's just too extreme sometimes. I, I think you're right. It's on the spectrum. I think the second thing we, <laughs> we, we can acknowledge is that everyone knows that Coach Timmy and his staff is starting the program from scratch. Right? There was no real recruiting structure when he came in. It was all blown up. Okay? It was nothing in place of that nature because of the timing of the hire. He brings in the best players he can on short notice. 51 new guys or whatever it is, 51, 53, I heard two different numbers. But um, he and the staff, are, but we know they're working their tails off to develop the players that they have, right? They, they're, and they're giving those players love. They're, they're building a culture. And those players are leaving it out on the field the best they can. They're practicing, they're, they're playing, they're sacrificing their bodies, they're going to class, they're going to meetings. I mean, the time it takes, it's so easy to be down on the guys, but a lot of other people aren't sacrificing that, right? You know, think of those players, you know, and, and you look at Peter, his mom died and he's sacrificing. I mean, you know, it, it, it's tough to, to just to everyone just to, you know, punch down on them all the time. And, but, and, and with all that said, they're improving, right? To be in games and have opportunities to win during conference. But it's all you ask is that you fight and you have an opportunity and then we learn and we correct those mistakes. So they be, they don't become habits, right? Um, so they've accomplished a little bit. And then the last thing I wanted to say, Coach Timmy and the staff and the players, they do it with less program resources. I think we can all agree about that. We can all agree on that, right? Yeah, yeah. So when folks compare to other schools, right, it's not really a fair comparison. They have to understand it's not apples to apples. Right? They're, they're, you know, other schools have things in place. Um, and, and it's just not a fair comparison. So it's just the most unique program in the country with the most unique set of challenges that other schools don't have, such as recruiting facilities, travel, et cetera. Um, other programs that are building are also in the same boat. They're losing games, but they have more resources. Colorado State, right? They have better resources, better, better stadium. Nevada. Uh, other, other programs are losing games, and, and, and they show inconsistent play, and they're trying to build. So this is not a surprise. The process is hard. Um, it's, it's a difficult road. Um, and I'm not, and I, I think people think we're just being a homer about it, Cause, but that's not the case. I think you and I will both be fair and, and say that you know there's some things that could be better regarding operation adjustments, yeah. execution, coaching during the games. Absolutely, they can get better, and I think the players and coaches are accountable. They own up to it for the mistakes, and Coach Timmy doesn't shy away from it. I see him at, at call the coach say, "Yeah, you know, this thing, these got these things got to be better." and and so, um, but as long as they're trying to correct it so it's not repeated, uh, you know, let's just let them work at it. And uh, let's not just go to this extreme where all of a sudden the staff should be fired, the AD should be fired, or, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it goes to the extreme pretty fast, uh, but I, I just think that perspective isn't the most realistic because does that really help the situation now? I mean, I'll ask you that. If, if we just cleaned everybody out today, does that help? No. No, right? I mean, isn't that kind of, you know, let, let's get rid of Timmy, let's get rid of the coaches, the coordinators, oh, even the AD, and then we win the rest of the games this season, correct? No. Is that how it works? No. 
Okay, so I'm being a little facetious, like I was in the past. But right, right. Just, yeah, I, it, but yeah, just you know, just a little perspective. I think it takes time. Coach, yeah. I would uh, I would ask you for your thoughts on Wyoming, but uh, we are actually well over time. Uh, so we're going to save. Go too long? I'm sorry about <laughs> we're, we're, no, this is this is a good <laughs> tease for people to listen to Countdown to Kickoff on Saturday for your thoughts right. on Hawaii and Wyoming, so they can listen in at four o'clock uh, when we're on for uh, for the big pregame show. Coach, appreciate you as always, and uh, I'll I'll see you Saturday. I appreciate you. Thanks for the time. That is Coach Arnold Martinez, our Tuesday turnaround uh, here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Traffic here, Sports Center here, more of your texts on the way. This is ESPN Honolulu. Hey, don't forget, sports cards and collectibles with uh, Darren Morris coming up at the top of the hour. I will be on uh, our sister station, CBS 1500. We've got the New City Nissan Hawaii High School Athletic Association Girls Volleyball State Championships. We'll be doing the Division Two match tonight uh, between Hawaii Baptist Academy and Kailua. Uh, that should be fun. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, we'll have that on CBS 1500 tonight at 650. Uh, Tony's calling in. We'll get some UH football conversation in here. Tony, how's it going? Pretty good, Josh. Hey, I was at Fort Collins Saturday. Oh, how was it? It, it? it was a good game. Okay. I was uh, thinking more of the experience. How did you enjoy the stadium? How did you enjoy that the, stuff? The was good, but you know their stadium. Majority of the seats are just like King. They're they're uh, aluminum seats with with no back. Mm, okay. Okay. Nice scoreboard. You know, um, the people in the stadium are nice, but parking is a problem. I had to I had to walk 30 minutes to the game. Wow. Most of the parking is not – because they built it on the campus, there's minimum parking next to the stadium. So people are tailgating from far distances and walking in. Wow. Okay. Okay, so it's not all uh, – you know, it's not all about bowl of cherries. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my thought the game and this, this performance – in my in my opinion, first half Hawaii played as well as they have all year. They were they were efficient, not making mistakes. Their offense was playing at a good tempo. I mean, uh, they were playing really well. Uh, the way the half ended on that field goal that was textbook, textbook. Then they go in at halftime. I don't know what happened, but the game plan changed. For what reason, I don't know. It's as though Timmy and the staff or who some, okay, we got a 12-3 lead. We got him on the run. Let's not lose the game. Let's, let's go back, and we're not going to do anything that's going to turn the ball over or we're not going to make a mistake. Our defense is playing lights out. They only got three points. I don't think they can score on it. That must have been the main mindset because what did the offense do when they came out? They started running the ball. And then Sager in the third quarter was actually standing in shotgun watching the play clock go down to one and two seconds. What was he doing? Why? It almost Why? it almost sounds like you're kind of insinuating, um, you know, a, a playing not to lose kind of mentality in the yes. second half. Yes, Definitely. Definitely, and, and that I, I I look at the coaching staff. 
I see if you, if it's working in the first half, they're playing at fast tempo. It's as though they said, "Oh, we're tired already. We can't keep playing at that tempo." They were playing with no huddle. They were doing all this stuff. There was none of that in the second half on offense. Nothing. There were players in the first half that were targeted, like Tomatoa, like Bowens. In the second half, they weren't even being thrown the ball. <laughs> Why? I don't get it. You got to target your good players. Right. They were targeted. And this, there's another thing that's going on with the team that Timmy needs to really look at and remember how it used to be. This constant shuffling of receivers doesn't work in the run and shoot. Okay? It doesn't work. You got you 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 play four receivers majority of the time because the quarterback has to read what they're doing, and each player reads the defense differently. And he was running all these substitutes in the in the second half, and it's as though Sager didn't know what these guys were doing out there. Okay, I, it, Timmy, you know, should know better. And I still feel that Timmy needs to take a more active role in what is going on with the offense. Roller part, did it. Part of part of me wonders on that, and I don't I don't have the answer for it, and I'm I'm not really going to try to make, make any excuse for it. But but part of me wonders, um, is it something where because of altitude and because you're kind of trying to keep things fresh, that maybe you think the game plan in that situation is let's keep rotating guys in and out to keep them fresh instead of tiring them out? I I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to think about it. I I don't think so. That's not how you're going to win at that level. Okay, you don't you because the running shoot depends on the they they're reading the reading coverages and they're running their patterns. And each receiver reads differently because their speed level and whatever they can do changes. So this constant shuffling of receivers confuses the quarterback. That's the problem. He has, Timmy's got to say, here's my four receivers, and we're going to go out there, and you're going to run and run and run. And now you can't, if you're too tired, you can't run your patterns. Tell, tell me, and then we'll put somebody else in. Okay? Instead, every other player, somebody else is playing. So there were some receivers that never got targeted at all that were playing half the game. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. What are they doing out there? It's the running shoot. Come on. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. Jimmy ran the offense. He was a quarterback. He, I still think he needs to take a more active role in what that offense is doing. He doesn't want to step on this guy's foot. He, he wants to. I don't know. Rolo did it halfway through his first year. That's how he turned his season around. I think he needs to do that. He needs to take a more active role, or this team may not win another game. It's up to him. Yeah. Today's little interview I heard with Kanoa, mm-hmm. it's, so it's like it is what it is attitude. It isn't. No, no. That doesn't work, Timmy. Sorry. It's like we're going to do everything we can to win the next five games. Because if you look at the next five opponents, none of them are world beaters, and they're all winnable games. If Hawaii plays the rest of the games like they did in the first half on Saturday, they can win every one of those games. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I think that's what that that's what really, I think, makes Saturday really tough. And I and I appreciate the call. Thank you for, uh, for, for dialing in. Good to hear from you, my friend. Um, I, I, I think that's what makes it tough is I, I 
I, I feel like we've had this conversation several different staffs, several different years, several different games. Um, this is not a, a Timmy Chang staff exclusive. Um, this is, we've also seen this with Todd Graham staff, how many times we've talked about adjustments or lack thereof or the wrong adjustments. Um, I think we've said it with, with Nick Rolovich's staff, wrong adjustments, no adjustments, et cetera. Um, this is a, this is not exclusive. I think what makes it tougher than, than having those conversations with those other coaching staffs and those other games is that a, the current record B, I, I I think a lot of people would agree with me when I say the first half that Hawaii played against Colorado State was probably its most complete half of the season and had an opportunity to win something that Hawaii does not do often on the road. I mean, Hawaii did guarantee themselves a losing record on the road uh, with that loss against Colorado State. You know, that I, I think that was the progress point that, a lot of people wanted to to really see, and uh, unfortunately for a lot of fans, they they didn't get to see that uh, because the second half seemed, unfortunately, um, very much more different than than the first. This could also be a sign of of really you know, thinking to, to Tony's point, um, over coaching. You know, if 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 you feel like you have to start kind of taking the air out of the ball in the second half. And I'm thinking like four corners offense type in basketball. If you feel like you kind of have to start, um, you know, going, going into that when you have to start kind of, you know, kind of slowing down the pace of the game and it's not working. Um, it's kind of, kind of demoralizing, you know, um, sometimes sticking with what works can be good. It, 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 can work, and, uh, and 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 I also realize that altitude, I think, does play a part in it, and I and I do think that you have to, um, I I do think that you have to coach accordingly to altitude, but it wasn't that. I, I think it was timing. It was a lot of what you heard. I think Tony say that that was um, that was correct. That that altitude was. Uh, was certainly a uh, that was not altitude. It was it was timing. It was tempo. A lot of that was, was gone. Uh, we'll close out the program with more of your texts in just a moment, including one of the most true statements I have said on this show in quite some time. Uh, that is coming up next. First look at traffic. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, coming up, the Sports Cards and Collectibles Show with Darren Kimura. Uh, I'll see you for volleyball tonight between Hawaii Baptist and Kailua. Uh, currently, uh, Damian in the early match of the night. Uh, Damian's got a two-sets-to-none lead in their match. Uh, this is at uh, St. Louis School. And by the way, kind of cool. St. Louis School uh, opening up their gymnasium to the uh, Girls State Volleyball Championships, which is pretty neat. So, uh, to, so shout out to them. Uh, Damien is playing Kau. That's the uh, that's the five o'clock match, and and uh, Damien up a, uh, a a cool two sets to none uh, in that match. I'll see you from the uh, baseline vantage point at the Clarence T C Ching Athletic Center uh, there at St Louis coming up in a little bit. Uh, text of the day, John texting in, who referenced something I said earlier. Welcome to Aloha Stadium sign. You can't put it in your yard. 
guaranteed it will be stolen within a few days. Ne more true a statement has never been made. And lots of emojis. Sometimes I do like to think I do know what I'm talking about. I just know you can't put that kind of a sign in your yard. And I know that after a while, your wife will not want that in the house. If it can even fit in the house. And uh, I know you're not wasting storage space on that either. So, uh, uh, again, do we really need to sell that? Or can we find a place as part of memorabilia in a, in a, a new stadium? These are the things that we're talking about when talking about experiences. Um, nostalgia can be part of an experience. Texter from the 330. Improve experience during the game. No more bongo cam or kiss cam. I want to know if this listener had some kind of a run-in with the kiss cam. Because I've never heard anybody say, no more kiss cam. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the producer here, though. If you're going to do the kiss cam, then you have to create a little bit of drama to make the, the experience, right? So you've got to find, because I'm going to steal a page from, uh, from, from a Mets game. No, it wasn't a Mets game. I'll steal a page from the Padres game. Was it the Padres game or the Mets game? I, I don't, or, or it was their game. I don't remember which venue it was. Um, take a fan from the opposing team who is sitting by his or herself and put that individual on the kiss cam without fail and have the fan cheer or boo when that fan from the visiting team is lonely with no one to participate in the kiss cam. That is called production 101. You guys in the other room, you guys are shaking your head. I don't know why you're shaking your head. Tanner, please please help me read the room. Why are you guys shaking your head at that idea? What's so wrong about that? It's uh, a, no, it's a great idea. It's the it's the laughing just but just like dang. Sometimes you have to be a little it's brutal. It's a great idea. It's just unfortunate for the for the person. Well, you know what? And sometimes and hey, if that if that was the texter you made some great content, probably. You did. That texter created great content. Um, sometimes that home field advantage, that home stadium advantage, does have to extend um, to the tickets that are sold for about the, what, 800 in attendance seeing the visiting team. Sometimes make that a part of your home stadium advantage. Create create some entertainment. Create some fun. And then uh, that person can come back to, and, uh, and, and, and say to their friends, you know what, hey, I was on the KISS cam at the opposing team stadium. Oh, but I was also viewed as a loner on the kiss cam, and nobody wanted to kiss me because I wore my team's colors. Go, team! You know, something like that. Uh, <laughs> text us at 808-296-1420. Uh, that's our Zephyr Insurance text line. That's how you can get in touch with us. We were we were still talking about experiences. Uh, this coming from Texter from the uh, 233. Sufficient amount of restroom facilities and especially number of stalls. Also ones that can handle the flow of crowds going in and out without creating overflow lines. I mean, we are talking about a place that's going to have, what, about 30,000 people or so? Just about, you know, and you're going to have a lot of people. You can't really, uh, uh, can't really get around that. Uh, one more text. This is from the 781 who says, uh, 
New stadium has got to be accessible to public transportation. Well, it looks like this one will, um, as long as they, you know, build it the right way with the rail line there and uh, the rail station there. Don't mess that up. And then uh, Texter says, the buyers of the Aloha Stadium memorabilia can donate it back to the stadium with a plaque showing the donor's name under the artifact. Great idea. Um, that's a that's a very uh, diplomatic way of doing that. And then says, Kiss Cam and football don't go together. Is that true? Does, does it does it not go together? Why not? You've got two minutes in a commercial break. I think it's probably fine. Not that you know we're super paying attention to to what's on the big board during a two minute commercial break, but I don't know how Kiss Cam and football doesn't go together. But uh, but then again, that's the, the the producer in me wondering if it doesn't seem like it would go together, then. Find a way to make it work. Find a way to make it come together. That's uh, that's what we think of. A lot of fun text today. Um, oh, and, and this is one. Uh, thank you, thank you, Darren. Darren's listening on the other side. He's um, he sends in text messages while uh, sitting. Let's do the math. Twenty feet away from this seat, in the other room. This is his plug for the Sports Cards and Collectibles show. I'm talking about the Kiss Cam. He says, look for a couple with opposing shirts and then show the girl when the guy walks away only. No, that's great. Again, sometimes we have to produce some of these things. It gets the crowd involved. So, yeah, you might hire, I don't know, if you have to, hire a few actors. Or... Tell, tell somebody in the stands, if you see someone just naturally in that position, hey, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you 50 bucks in, uh, in, in meal coupons at the game if you go along with our Kiss Cam skit. And I'm sure they'd say, yeah, 50 bucks will get me about three hot dogs, so sure. Um, but, but B, yeah, I mean, subsidized part of being at the game, I'll play along. All of a sudden, you're you're a celebrity with your friends, and you've made somebody's day or not made somebody's day from the other team. I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. Sometimes you got to produce some of these things. You 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 got to be a little creative. Texter from the seven eight one says, uh, "Kiss cam in football doesn't work because Butkus wouldn't like it." Really? We're in twenty twenty two. I don't really care what Butkus thinks. Uh, fun show. Uh, thank you to Gino Toretta, who uh, basically said if he had a Heisman vote today, and you can listen back on the pod at ESPNHonolulu.com a little bit later on tonight. Uh, if he had a Heisman vote, I think his edge would go to Hendon Hooker out of uh, out of Tennessee over C.J. Stroud. And he saw C.J. Stroud a couple of times for a couple of games he's done, and he will see Hendon Hooker this weekend when Tennessee takes on Kentucky. That was a fun conversation. Check that out on the pod. And then uh, Arnold Martinez, our uh, Tuesday turnaround with him, um, in which we, well, we, we never really got to turn around, but you know, it was really good. Sometimes what we do doesn't really go off of a script. We don't script it. And, um, you know, we went from talking a little bit about last week and talking about offense to uh, really talking about perspective. It, it felt like talking to a coach, and that's kind of what we like. That's why we have them. Uh, that's why we work with them. That's why it's fun every week. And, uh, 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about the perspective of the fan in a situation like what Hawaii's in right now. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Appreciated Coach Arnold Martinez joining us uh, as he does every Tuesday. Uh, Sports Center is on the way in three and a half minutes. You've got the Sports Cards and Collectibles show with Darren Kimura. That's on the other side. I'll see you for volleyball in an hour. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu.